All right, everybody say, get on board. Last week, we started a series called Get On Board, and it wasn't really planned. It wasn't what I had in mind, but uh, God's just been turning uh, some of the direction in our church here lately and making it evident. There's a few things that we're going to talk through and talk about, and so uh, we started with Noah out of Genesis 6. If you weren't here last week, you can watch the broadcast that aired on Thursday night, or you can listen to the audio from last Sunday morning. Um, very excited today. Now, I, listen, I want you to try to contain yourself. When I tell you, when I, when I tell you what I'm preaching on, I don't, don't, don't be slinging any chairs. Don't jump up and hang from none of this stuff. Don't go running around acting crazy. Don't do it in court. Well, just contain yourself. When I, but now, when I tell you what I'm preaching on, I want you to break into applause and help me give God some glory. We're very excited to talk about this today, and we're very excited about what God's going to do in the room. So when I tell you, when I say what we're preaching on, you just, just act like you're excited about it, all right? Today we're going to talk about money. Woo! Yeah, hey! <laughs> uh, I'm, hey, I'm glad y'all are that excited. That's, that's wonderful. Wonderful. No, seriously, we are. We're, we're going we're to talk about money. It is the, it is the uh, subject that a lot of preachers uh, don't want to talk about. W one, for the longest time, personally, I did not want to talk about, but I got a hold of some Holy Ghost authority and some Holy Ghost audacity years back and realized that it was foolish to neglect such an important subject for so many people and so many lives and families and so many people in the room are affected by that very topic and then a preacher doesn't want to talk about it because a bad apple made everybody think the whole tree was poisonous. That's not fair. Sure as heck it ain't fair to God. It's not fair to our church. It's not fair to me. And it's not fair to you. To let some nut job out there that we saw on television rob us of talking about what God said is true and what God said is false. So we're, we're going to do that today. And before, before we do, I want to just, I want to say a couple things. Bef just sidestep. Just some things I want you to hear me say about this topic from a, from a, new, a new grace point of view. Our stewardship of your giving and money is very important. It is very important that as a church, as God's church and as a nonprofit organization, we take that serious and that we are good stewards, which my Bible tells me that we have to be as his church, that you have to be a good steward of your personal finances. The church has to be a good steward of what you give to God through this church. And when you and I are giving, we are giving to the church, but we're really giving more or less through the church to God. It is hinging on a personal relationship, but that money enters the church's hands. So it's paramount that you understand and you know, and I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell 1130 audience the same thing I'm telling you here at 930, that we want you to be confident when you trust God with your finances right here at this church. Now, that's, that's why we have levels and layers of protection. I don't touch the money. I don't, I, I can't sign a check. I don't write a check. I've had, I've had people before come up to me and go, hey, pastor, I missed the offering. Here, put this in the offering. And some of you know my response is the same every time. Don't give me that. 
I don't want, don't, I don't want that. I don't want to see it. I don't want to touch it. I don't, I'm hands off. It's as simple as I can hand it to somebody else. I want out of that. And our, our other staff pastors are the same way. Don't, don't give them any money. We don't want anything to do with that because corporately, organizationally, we're not tied to the finances. We have a voice and we have a vision, but when it comes to a corporate board meeting, I don't have a vote. I don't want one. All I need is what God gave me, vision and voice. And by putting the right accountability in place, we have a corporate team that helps level and layer that accountability. Um, I'm not going to bring them up on stage, but, and some of them are here at 1130 and some of them are here at 930. But just to introduce our corporate team, we've got Tracy McDuffie and we've got Robbie Lazenby. They're both trustees. Uh, yeah, leave them up there, Tracy and Robbie. And we're about to actually add uh, a third one here before 2021. Uh, I've got a spiritual advisory council that helps me and helps our executive team and helps our corporate team uh, in all matters of spiritual counsel and advice. And that's Robert Waters and Joe Groover and Buck Holloway. And I'm going to actually add to that as well in 2021. And every decision we make in regards to our lease, our property, to our budget, every bit of it goes before the levels and the layers of this corporate team. And so when, when our church is making a corporate level decision, it's not being made in the mind of one or two individuals that walked out of a prayer closet with God. I do want to say it's important that someone's in a prayer closet with God. This is a spiritual organism more than it is a business organization. Somebody say amen right there. But listen, it's 2021. You cannot have a penny. Not one penny can be unaccounted for. We work with someone called Start Church. They are an amazing organization that helps churches layer and level all these areas of accountability and accuracy. And every, every month, we work with Angela Metcalf. She is our bookkeeper from Start Church. She is a very experienced and brilliant lady. She has done this for a lot of churches of every size. She's very, very good at what she does. And she not only helps us enforce the accountability, but she helps us with accuracy. And uh, we've got some smart individuals working with her. And uh, but between everything we're doing internally and everything we're doing externally, I just want you to hear from me that we take your giving serious and it is our best interest to be good stewards of what God is doing through you to support this church, to fund this work, and to keep this ministry not just alive, but to keep it flourishing, thriving, so we can be the church God called us to be when none of us knew each other. When there was no auditorium, when there was no room for your children, when there was no place for your unborn grandchildren, listen, God had a plan for this church. It is not an accident that we have come together. It is not by coincidence that God is doing the things he's doing in our lives individually and collectively. I am so glad this place exists for people to experience new life in Christ. And it, listen, we're not funded by the government. We've never received a single grant. We, we just, we don't, we, don't, we don't have that. 
This, 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 is not a, this is the church, and it's the 21st century. And for you to be able to do what we're doing, it's not free. And if you're a part of this church and God has your heart, you get it. You know what I'm talking about. And I don't have to give you some kind of pitch up here or sales to try to win your heart. I can't win your heart. And these amazing things we do are not here to win your heart. God's got to win your heart. If he wins your heart, God will definitely turn loose of what's in your hand. And you'll be a part of this. And you'll want to be a part of this. And you'll care whether or not this thing is here. You'll care whether or not it's good. You'll you'll care whether or not it's here 10 years from now. Because you have a stake in it. And you're a shareholder in the kingdom of God right here in this area because of this church. Let's give him praise all over the house. Isn't that wonderful? What, so what, and I'm going to, I'm going to approach this sermon a little different. Um, And again, I'll say what I said, I think last week. I don't even care how it comes out. I I just want to get this casserole out and uh, let's enjoy it together. Okay. Because this is going to help you and it's going to encourage you. We're just going to mix it all together. So what, what, is, what is this ministry? We say we're doing all these things by stewardship and accuracy and accountability to protect the ministry. Well, what is the ministry? The ministry is the work that God is doing through his church, through his people in the world right now. And so this, this, is, a, this is a ministry. Well, how, how is the ministry of God funded? Because the ministry of God has existed ever, ever, ever since the days of Abraham. The ministry of God has, has, has been in existence ever since the days of Moses. And the ministry of God lives on through the book of Acts. The, the ministry of God is happening right now in 2020. And there's so many changes over those several thousand years that I just lumped together. So, so how does it continue to go? From, from the things that God did in the tabernacle and the temple to the things he did in the early church when the temple was destroyed to, to right now in, in, in the Bible Belt, here we are. How does all this happen? It's funded by tithes, by offerings, by sacrificial and generous giving of people. I've never seen God write a check. We don't, we don't you know... Joe Nay doesn't go down on Monday to the little post office box we have around the corner and open it, and there's a check that came from heaven. Signed Jesus. In red ink. No, no, no. We've never had one. That's not how that works. God will provide. Absolutely. How does God provide? Okay. So we, we need to understand that there, there are several things from the Old Testament and New Testament that, that create this pattern. And I'm just going to really just give you two things along this pattern that, that speak to you and I right here, right now, and tell us what to do when it comes to money. Now, look, I can preach on money from 60 different angles this morning, but I want to be real specific, and I want to give you two things about what it means to put God first. So today we're going to preach about getting on board with God being first of all when it comes to money. Everybody say first of all. Everybody can participate. Everybody say first of all. We're going to, we're going to talk about putting God first. Now listen, there, there's different ways to preach on this, right? I've seen all kind of ways to preach. I've seen the whole shepherd beat the sheep mentality. 
where somebody gets up and takes a Bible and beats the devil out of you, you know, telling you how sorry you are and all this stuff. I've seen that. I've seen people guilted into giving. And God is really clear that he don't want any money that comes from a guilty heart. Like, he'd rather you not, you're like, no, 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 you, you got it all backwards. It doesn't matter if your hand brings it, if your heart's all driven by guilt. God's like, no, 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 you got that backwards. We'll talk about that in a second. I've seen, I have been in revival services where, where preachers needed to pay for the special singing team that they brought in and the special preachers that they brought in and all the advertising they put out for the revival. And I've seen them pass an offering plate for an hour. I mean, like, when it, come, when it comes back around, they're like, all right, they're going to go count it. We're going to sing another song, Just As I Am. And while they're singing Just As I Am and they're counting the offering, they'll come back out and they'll shake their head and they'll go, all right, we need another $8,000. And they'll just pass it. I've seen that. And I'm standing at the back, you know, with my pockets out, like, you know, I'm ready to go. Can we leave? I had a buddy say one time, we were sitting in a meeting like that, we'd been in the offering for an hour, and he said, I'm about to, ba-, he goes, I'm about to write a rubber check and bounce that thing so we can get the heck out of here. On the other hand, I've seen God really move, awaken and open the eyes of people that just didn't know. And I've seen people get it. I've seen people be around this kind of stuff for years and not get it. And then finally one day they get it. And it's like God just got their heart. They just got arrested. I've seen them, I've seen them take the rings off their fingers and the earrings out of their ears and say, God wants this for the work of the ministry. Sell it and use the money. I've seen people sell property and take the money and God not let them put it in their account and they give it to the church and say, God needs us more than I do. I've seen people bring their cars and put them in the parking lot and say, it's not mine. It's his and he wants it back. I've seen, I've, seen them, I've seen them sell, I mean, get the car of their dreams, and I've seen them come and turn the keys in and say, that would be better used if we sold that car and we took that money and bought a van so we could pick kids up and bring them to church. I've seen, I've seen it happen. With my own eyes, I've seen it happen. And so the goal, the goal today is that you just, you just get it, and God just gets you. And this is all about a, a love for him, and he just wins you over with his word. That's, that's all I really care about. So I want to tell you, first of all, when it comes to putting God first, we need to see a, a principle, all right? Because the Bible teaches and tells us, just, just stay with me, I promise you. Putting God first is a principle thing. If you, now, if you take notes here, or if you're logging this stuff away because you have a brilliant mind, I want you just to remember, putting God first is a principal thing that we see starting in the Old Testament. The Bible says in Exodus 13, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, right here God is setting a principle in place. He's saying whatever comes out first, he says, it is mine. I want to be very clear, God says, whatever happens first in your life, now we're not even touching money right here. He just says he's putting a principle before he ever puts his finger on financial substance. He puts his finger on life itself and he says the first belongs to me. The proverb tells us in chapter 3 and verse number 9, listen to this principle. Many of you have heard this preached before. Honor the Lord with thy substance. 
and with the first fruits of all thine increase. I want everybody to say that last word, increase, with me. Say it with me. Increase. Say it again. Increase. Whenever you and I experience increase with our financial substance, God echoes the same principle and says, I want you to honor me with it first. So God's very clear. He's very clear that he wants the first. You got to remember, in those, day and age, in those days and ages, when, when, they, when, they, when they had income, it was produced from the fruit of the land. Most people were in agriculture, and most people were in certain trades that still exist today, but there's so many more, so much more diversity in the economy and so much more diversity now in jobs, but everything that anybody did was a byproduct of what the earth produced. Now, I'm going to get into that in a second, but everything that you and I do by way of our economical development in the world and everything we do by way of our jobs is all a byproduct of planet Earth. Meaning, if planet Earth wasn't what it was, you wouldn't have the job that you have. All right? So if you work in an office building, if you work with technology, if you work with, with the medical field, if you work uh, re retail, whatever you do, whatever you do is only a byproduct because planet Earth exists. Does that make sense? And so God said, everything that you're able to produce and all the increase you're able to experience because of the earth that I gave you, he says, I want you to honor me with the first that comes to you. So God wants the first, but he also wants to be first. When it comes to your life, especially your money, he wants to be first. Paul says it in a different way. Right? We get this principle and we say, okay, that's, that's secluded to the Old Testament. But then you see it graduate over into a philosophy and principle that Paul says in Colossians 1. In verse number 18, he says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Look at this. That in all things he might have, here's a Bible word, that he might have the pre eminence. What does preeminence mean? Preeminence means. He is first, he is first of everything. He is first of everything, which means if you put God first, everything else will then be in order. Does that make sense? Do you agree with that? If God is first, he says, everything else will come in order. And if your life is out of order, let me submit to you that maybe God is not first. If there is disorder in your marriage, if there's disorder in your finances, if there's disorder in your spirit, if there's disorder in your walk with God, let me submit to you the reason things might be in disorder is because you don't have the right order, and that is that you haven't honored God with every area of your life. He wants to be first. God doesn't want to be second. God wants to be first. He's given you this life. He's given you this breath. He's given you his spirit. He's given you himself, and God says, I've given you all this now just put me first and everything else Jesus said in Matthew 6 33 will come in place what happens first matters what happens in your life first matters we had school postponed two hours one day this week my whole day my whole day got knocked out of order because what usually happens first did not get to happen first 
And because what did not get to happen first, that usually happens first, everything that was second, third, fourth, everything got jacked up my whole day. I mean, by 6 p.m., I'm still feeling the effects of the first thing not happening first. So let me say it matters what happens first. That is why God wants to be first in everything. He wants to be first when it comes to your time. He wants to be first when it comes to your talent. He wants to be first when it comes to your treasure. Does that make sense? God's given everybody in this room those three things. Everybody in this room has been given time. Every man and every woman in this room has been given a talent. And every man and woman in this room at some point in time, if not right now, will be given treasure. And God wants to be first in all three of those areas. This is why, watch this, if God gave us all of those things, this is why the word and the action of bringing is presented throughout the theme of Scripture. Here's what I mean by that. The Old Testament's actually very relevant to us right here because Exodus 23, 19, look at this. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Notice that word that he said right there. All the increase that you experience, you're supposed to, I want everybody to say that with me, bring. Everybody say bring. Bring. He says, all the increase that you experience, we are supposed to bring it into the house of the Lord thy God. Now, how did God set things up? God set things up in such a way where what people experienced an increase would be their way to sacrifice and worship God by bringing it to him to fund and fuel the work of his ministry. And God said, I want it first. I want it first. Malachi actually told Israel that they had two choices. Look at Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? God said, you robbed me when it came to money. Now, I want you to get the visual here. He says, will a man rob God. And then he answers his own question and says, yeah, you have robbed me. He says to the children of Israel through the prophet Malachi, you have robbed me. You robbed me in tithes and offerings, which means what God gave me, what's this? What God gave me this week, I either bring it or I steal it. And we use, a, we use a word, we, and we use this word for a reason because it means what it means, but we need to make sure that it says what it means. We use a word called give. But there is a theme in this principle from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament of bring. Can you give something that doesn't belong to you? Or do you bring something that doesn't belong to you? Let, let, me, let, me, get, let me get some help if, if, I could, if I could illustrate this. Pastor Jake, come, come help me real quick. Come help me. I'm going I'm to use you for an illustration. Let me get, let's see here. Come on, Kevin Smith. Y'all get down there on the floor. I'm sorry. Pastor Jake, stand right here. All right, Kevin, stand right over here. All right, Amanda, come stand right over there. Right, no, right there in the center. Get right in the center. All right, Cassandra, come right over here. 
Now, I want to show you how God set things up for me and you. Are you ready? Let me show you how God intended to provide for us and his church at the same time. God created a world. Everybody say world. world. A world that allows us to have the life that we have. A world that produces the soil, produces the air, produces the natural resources, produces the science, the technology, produces the economy, produces the civilization and the society that we all have that sustains our livelihood, that we all explore and we enjoy and that we live in every single day. Everybody say world. God created a world. And God created this world to provide you and I with a job. And you and I have a job. Whatever that job is, that job is our means of taking care of ourselves. This job provides us. Everybody say us. Everybody say me. me. This is you. God has set up a world to give you a job, to provide you with what you need. God then, after you have been saved, God, God places you in his church. Everybody say church. God gives you a church. It is the will of God for your job to provide you so that you can fund the work of God through the church and the work of God through the church pours back into the world that he died to save. Are you hearing me? So God is going to make sure he gives you 10 $20 bills. God's going to give you $200. Now, how does God do that? Well, you don't really see where it starts and originates, but what God does is he created this world to provide you with a job. And he takes the world and the income, and he provides your job with what? Nope, you're going to give it all to the job. <laughs> He's going, now, your job is going to provide you with 20 or with 10 $20 bills, every bit of them. Now, we have received $200. We've received 10 $20 bills. Which one belongs to God? That's a trick question. Which one belongs to God? The only reason that you and I have this is because God set up an order that would give us what we need to take care of our need, to supply us with what we need. And God says, I'm giving you all of it. See, here's the deal. We're not actually the ones that give it. That's so good. We're receivers of it. God gives it to us. Somebody say amen. I feel the Holy Ghost starting to shift in this room a little bit. God gives it to us. And then he says, I want you to bring the first fruit. And in the Old Testament, he used the word tithe, which means a tenth. He says, in the bare minimum standard of honoring me with your substance, I want you to give a tenth of it to me through the church. Now, what the church is responsible of doing is taking the tenth and taking the tithe and then funding it back into the world. Now, watch this. This allows us to pour into the ministry. This allows us to pour into resources. This allows us to feed the Boys and Girls Club Thanksgiving dinner in a couple weeks. This allows us to pay for a food truck at iServe in downtown Commerce. This is, this is allowing us to pay rent so that your family and my family can come under this roof and hear the gospel, experience the glory of God, and get something right here that you couldn't get in the job or find anywhere else in the world. 
And this, this right here is what helps the church evangelize the world. This is how we give to God. This is how we give to his church. I want y'all to stay right there. One thing God teaches us in scripture and one thing God initiates in principle is that we have two choices. Give that, give that back to uh, Amanda. We have two choices. She can bring it to God or she can steal it. That doesn't belong to her because that came from God that set up an order to ensure that you had what you needed. Now you as a steward have to ensure that you bring to God a tenth. Now, I want to show you something that's practical. All right, everybody say practical. Because putting God first is a practical thing. The Old Testament teaches that 10% tithe, right? But do you know what the Bible teaches in the New Testament? In fact, every example you and I see of giving in the New Testament is done to support the needs of the church, to support Christian workers and ministry, and to expand Christian outreach. Are you with me so far? And so God helps us understand in the Old Testament, under his law, there was an amount. And under the New Testament, we don't see the amount. But we do. Because every time we see someone giving, someone bringing, every act of generosity was over the Old Testament law of 10%. This is where we get into offerings. This is where we get into sacrificial giving. This is where we get into generosity. Many times what we do is we scrutinize what God wants. We scrutinize and we come up with all the examples and all the excuses on why we can't afford to give this. Now, now, now who, who, who's got more right now? Who's holding on to more right now? It looks to me like I'm serving a pretty generous God who could have said, this is fair. Who could have said, this is just. But a God who said, I'm asking you to give out of love. And if you'll stop, watch this, if you'll stop scrutinizing what you're bringing and you'll stop inventory and you'll start inventorying what he brought to you, then comes the practicality of giving with a cheerful heart. God doesn't want you to give grudgingly. Put that verse up from Corinthians. Notice what Paul said. Watch this. He said, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. Oh, I got to do it. I got to be a part of this. I got to, I say I'm here. I say I believe in this and I got to do it. God says, no, 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 no. If I've won your heart, I will win your hand. He says, if, if, if I have your heart, you will give cheerfully. How does someone get to a place in the relationship with God where they give cheerfully? Stop scrutinizing what God told you to bring and start taking inventory of what he brought to you. You've got everything you need to survive. You've got all of your needs met this morning. You've got a roof over your head. You've got clothes on your back. You've got a car in the parking lot. There's gas in the tank. You've got children who know the Lord. Here you are, a part of a church 
that is changing your life. Many of you didn't have a clue who God was before you walked in this door. You knew of God, but you didn't know God. You weren't saved. You weren't truly a Christian. And here you are now walking in the ordered steps of God because he's been faithful to lead you, to guide you, to love you, to provide for you, to take care of you. Is there anybody in this room that can help me rejoice in the goodness of the Lord when I think about the Lord and all that he's done? Now that makes me cheerful. And when, when you operate from a cheerful heart, then we begin to see what giving looks like under grace. It's not hard for me to give this bare minimum. But then because I get to, not because I got to, I start thinking in terms of generosity because I get to be a part of what God's doing. I believe in what God's doing. What God's doing is changing my life. I want to see what God's doing continue to change other people's lives. And now I'm able to give out of a cheerful heart. Somebody give the Lord some praise in the house. Give me that money back. Y'all ain't taking that with you. Have a seat. Thank you. Does this make sense? Does this make sense? I wrote, I wrote this down. I wrote this down. Putting God first is a practical thing. How could it be yours if it all belongs to him? Why, why do we have a tendency to draw lines where God didn't draw a line? You ever made that? You ever, you ever, you ever sold yourself that bill of goods? I give him all my time. And I've given him my talent. Surely that checks the box for me, given my treasure. And you ever made that excuse like, I mean, I do go, I do serve, I do show up. I'm a part of it. I help. But you don't, you don't want to check that box when it comes to treasure. You ever made that? I've made that excuse before. You ever made that excuse? And today God says, I want your heart. Not just what's in your hand. I want your heart. And the practical thing is we see an application that no matter how much we bring, no matter how much we give, we can't outgive God. The cliche statement that has been said so many times is I can't afford to give. And the response is you can't afford not to give. I can't outgive him. I can't outgive him. He owns the earth. I want you to think about this. He owns the earth, right? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So at the bottom of your feet and everything up, it all belongs to God. My wife and I were, uh, I say my wife and I, I was sitting in the car. She was inside shopping. We were at home. And I wish that meant what I thought it meant. At home is a store in Athens where they have furniture. Ain't my idea of home at all. <laughs> but we were at home. It just, it just feels twisted saying it, don't it? We were at home. We were at at home. There we go. That's right. We were at at home. And I was sitting in the parking lot, and I was thinking through this sermon. And I just got, I, I kind of zoned out in a good way. And I'm looking at the cars in the parking lot. And I'm looking at the light poles, and I'm looking at, the black top there, I'm looking at the stripes, I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the lights 
glowing there in the night. I'm looking at the huge exterior sign, gigantic exterior sign just illuminated. And I'm looking at all the paneling and the doors and the glass. And I look back over my shoulder at the racetrack right there on Atlanta Highway. And I'm looking at all the architecture that they've got on the outside. I'm looking at everything. And I look beyond that and I see the trees. And I'm looking at that and I roll the window down and I stick my hand out and I feel that gentle fall breeze. It smelled like pumpkin spice, so I rolled the window back up, you know. <laughs> And, and I just, I, I was taking it all in and I thought, this all belongs to my daddy. Like this is, this is, this is his world. Where do I get off thinking this is my world? Like he owns all that stuff. Well, I know a company made the blacktop and I know somebody in some plant somewhere made the light pole and I know some company somewhere created that sign and designed it and then they took the proof and they actually fabricated it and then they installed it and some electrician wired it so it went all. And I look at all that and I'm going, but but it ain't ours. We don't have the title deed to the planet. So if God owns all of it, where the heck do I get off thinking that it's mine? God actually laid claim to even your body. Like that's not even yours. Like so we don't own anything. So the reality is this, everything that you're going to have by way of increase this week, and for, for most of us, let's be honest. Let's just have an honest conversation. For most of us, we're all, we're all making more than this a week. But just a tenth of this, like if you take that Old Testament minimum standard, that's 20 bucks. Yeah. A lot of people don't, they don't even give God 20 bucks off of this. And so I, I want to present you with something that, that, that needs to be sobering. And, it, and, and unless I say this with a lot of compassion, but it needs to be a very sobering thought for you. Everything I have been given doesn't belong to me. So am I going to keep stealing it or am I going to start bringing it? He created a world to give you a job when he never had to give us life to begin with. But he gave us a world to enjoy, to experience him. He gave Adam a world. Then he gave Adam a job. He gave Adam a job, right? And that provides for us. It takes care of us. It ain't our stuff. I know we work hard for it, but Adam did too. So has everybody else that God ever set this up for. So it actually isn't mine, and it's not yours. And so I can either steal it, or I can start bringing it. I got to stop making excuses on, well, I give him time, and I give him my talent, and I do. No, God's like, that's mine. And I want to fund the work of my ministry that changed your life. And I want you to be a part of it, not just in deed and in word. I want you to be a part of it, and I want you to play a part of it by giving to it. And I will use what you provide and what you give, and I will use it to continue to change this world. Let's get first things first. Because maybe, maybe, maybe there's areas of your life that are out of order. And maybe you, you're thinking, I'm going to give myself in a hole. I, look, God is the first line item in your budget. Come on, come on, let's close. We're, we're about to, we're about to look, people are about to jump out the plane right now. We're going to land it before anybody jumps. Are you hearing me? I stopped giving. 
Now, I, it, was, it was a long time ago when I, when I started giving more than 10% of my income. Like, I look, to be honest, my job would give me money, and then I would like, what was to the penny? And there's nothing wrong with this at all, but I would to the penny what 10% was because, honestly, I wanted to maximize that other 90%, right? And I to the penny was like giving. But at first, I was doing it because I was like scared of God. Not like fearful, but a reverent fear of the almighty God who was entrusting me with this increase in income. Who was I to steal from this God? And so, I fe- look, I fell in love with him. Like, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a Sunday morning only relationship anymore. Like, I, I found myself wanting to give my time to him. And I look forward to opening his word in the morning and getting alone and talking to him and him loving me and him, him helping me agree with him about my sin and my shortcomings and him helping me not to be a lazy Christian, to be a better man and a better dad and a better husband. And Man, it started changing. I fell in love with him. And I fell in love with this church. And I did. I fell in love with this church. I fell in love with the people in this church and what his church did. And that I got to be a part of it and I gave my time to his church. And then I found out what my talent was and I realized, oh my God, I don't have to just sit on the bench and watch this thing. I get to do something. So I gave my talent to God. And I didn't have a lot of talent, but I gave it to him. And I felt like I didn't have a lot of time, but I gave it to him. But man, those things were easy to hand out, right? Talent and time, like that's easy to hand out. But that you start talking treasure, man, that's tied to the heart. Wait, why is it tied to the heart? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And God's like, I'm getting, I'm getting what's in this hand. I'm getting what's in this hand, but I want what's in your heart. And I'm like, oh, God, that, there's some trust involved with that. And he's like, I know. There's some faith involved in that. He's like, I know. I'm like, there's some discipline if I'm going to do that. He's like, I know. But every time God would say, look at, look at my bride. Look at my beautiful bride. I want you to take care of my bride. I want you to love my bride. I have left my bride in your hands. And I come back. I don't want to see her wedding garments tattered and torn. I don't want to see her barely getting by. I don't want to see her broke. I don't want to see her weak. I don't want to see her reaching and grasping. I want to see her strong. I want to see her pure. I want to see my bride powerful. Take care of my bride while I'm gone. And any day now, he's coming back for his bride. And I have to give an account of why I was stealing from him or why I was bringing it to him. And I want to be able to say, look, I just, I want to be able to say, I know it's not very long now. I don't know. We may not have four more years. I don't know. It could be very soon. And you and I are standing in front of him, and I'm going to be able to say, my heart was in it. My heart was in it. I loved you and I loved your bride. I loved your church. My heart was in it. Here's the deal. At the end of the day, you know why I give? Because he's just been good to me. That's it. It's just good. I look on the left hand and he's good. I look on the right hand and he's good. I can count how much money I've given his kingdom, but I can't count how much good he's done to me. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Now, I don't know about you, 
But God's been so good that I'm at a point, I'm at a place where I don't have a problem being good to his church. And I don't have a problem turning loose of what's in my hand because he's got my heart. So I, I, I am just challenging you. If you've never trusted God with a tithe, do it for 90 days. Take God up on a 90-day tithe challenge right here before Santa Claus comes to town. I dare you. Do it. No, but I've got so much set apart. It's not yours to set apart like that. Give him what's his first and then be a wise steward of the rest of it. Do it. And if you are faithfully tithing, start, start reaching in that New Testament giving and start asking God to show you what to give sacrificially. Start operating with generosity and giving beyond and above that. You can't outgive him. You can't afford not to give. Has he been good to you? Has he taken care of you? Has he provided for you? Is he your best friend? Is he a faithful father? Is he God? He died for your sin. He rose for your justification. Any day now, he'll split the sky and call us home. What are we waiting on? Let's be the church. Let's love God, not just with our hands, but with our heart. He's worthy of being found.